Lamentations of Jeremiah, chapter number 1. Old Testament, right after Jeremiah, we come to the book of Lamentations. This book is written by the prophet Jeremiah. And if you've read the book of Jeremiah, you'd find that Jeremiah is weeping. They call him the weeping prophet. He's prophesying against Israel and their sin. Israel's turned from God. God desired to bless Israel. Remember the covenant he made with Abraham that I will make of thee a great and mighty nation. All the nations of the earth will be blessed. Curse them that curse you and bless them that bless you. And all the families of the earth will be blessed because of Abraham. He made a covenant here with Abraham. Now we find ourselves at a different place. Now Abraham had a son and he had a son and they had sons and we're in bondage in Egypt, and when they came out of Egypt, the Lord led them out of Egypt, and there were 600,000 men plus women and children. They came through the desert and in the wilderness and the Red Sea, and he brought them into the promised land. And as he came into the promised land, they began to grow and multiply, and God began to bless them. He gave them a king, Saul. Saul turned from the Lord, and God took the kingdom away from Saul and gave it to a young man, young boy named David. David, through that kingdom... God made David great and the kingdom of Israel great. David had a son named Solomon, and Solomon was the wisest man that had ever lived. The kingdom there flourished. All the nations of the earth would see and hear of what was happening in Jerusalem, and they were so impressed, and God received so much glory because of what he did with Israel and Jerusalem. He asked his people to... Make him their God and worship him and him alone. Give him praise and give him glory. No other God was to receive sacrifice and praise, and he asked them to serve him. It came time in Israel over, over time, Israel forsook God. They turned their back. Israel chose sin over the blessings of God. And God raised up prophets, and these prophets would prophesy. Isaiah and Jeremiah and others would prophesy against their sin, and they would prophesy and say, turn back to God. Judgment is coming. Jeremiah prophesied that judgment was coming, and the people didn't turn. They mocked Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, with tears, would cry out for his people to repent, and they didn't. We have a book in the Bible called Lamentations, or the Weepings of Jeremiah. We're going to look at a couple different passages of Scripture, and before we do that this morning, I want you to think of what's important in your life. What's important in your life? What is precious to you? I remember the day that I was saved, six years old, vacation Bible school. I grew up in church, and I remembered hearing the gospel message before. And, but it was on that day that I understood that I needed to be saved. And I remember uh, there in the auditorium, just on the left side of the auditorium, I went into one of those Sunday school classrooms and prayed and trust Christ as my Savior. And what a glorious day that was. How many of you remember the day you got saved, you trusted Christ? Remember what the gospel did to you? Changed your life. 
The Bible says that we were dead in trespasses and sin. What it, what it means by that is this. If we were to die that moment, we would die eternally separated from God because of our sin. We would die, and the Bible says that we would spend eternity in a place called hell or the lake of fire. And so we would, we would be eternally separated from God. But the day that I got saved, I was redeemed. Jesus Christ, He because of the blood that he shed, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, I now have a relationship with my heavenly father because of what Jesus did. It's a great day for me. I hope I never forget that day. I remember the day that I was saved. I remember, I remember the day that I was married. Matter of fact, I remember the day, the first time I ever saw Michelle. How many of you remember the first time you ever saw the one? You remember that day? I mean, I remember. We were sitting in church she turned around, she had this glow about her, and I said, I'm gonna marry that girl. And it took a lot of convincing, and uh, she married me, it worked. But I remember the first time I saw her, I remember my wedding day. What a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful day that was. How many of you remember your wedding day? Uh, wasn't that a wonderful day? Don't say no. What a wonderful day that was. My wife's important to me, she's precious. I wish I could say that every single day I've lived realizing how precious she, she was. I've made mistakes and I get busy and preoccupied, but she's wonderful. I remember that day. How many of you had children? Remember that day? Huh? All the ladies are like, oh, I remember that day. It was tough, wasn't it, men? I mean, to go through that? Remember that day? I remember that day the doctor said we were having a boy. I remember that day, the first day I saw my kids. We, I had the privilege of being in the birth of all of my children, and what a wonderful day. What a wonderful day. The word I love to hear the most is dad. I love that word. What a wonderful thing. The relationship with my children. I remember the day I was called in the ministry. I surrendered to preach. Never forget that day. I remember the first day in the, in the ministry. I remember my first day pastoring, knowing that I was fulfilling the call that God had in my life. I remember those days. And you have important days, and I pray important people and important events have taken place in your life. Jeremiah said this in verse 1 of chapter 1 of Lamentations. How doth the city sit solitary that was full of people? How has she become as a widow? She that was great among nations and princes among the providences. How has she become tributary? Now notice, notice these are seemingly questions. How? How, if you were to, to uh, uh, have to put a punctuation at the end, you would put a question mark asking a question. But he's not asking a question here. You notice he's making a statement. He's making this, imagine as he's writing this in tears, 
He's not saying how, wanting to look for the answer. It's kind of like when God said to Adam, Adam, where art thou? After Adam and Eve had sinned in the garden and they hid themselves and they realized that they were naked and took fig leaves and covered themselves and hid from God. And, and, and God came down the cool of the day to fellowship with Adam and Eve and, and commune with them. And they were hiding because of sin. And God said, Adam, where art thou? God knew where Adam was, but he wanted Adam to know where he was. I think Jeremiah, the same thing here. He knows the reason why. He's going to tell us the reason why. But he wanted the people of Israel to know and realize this is why you're in the place you're in. This is why you're so far from God. And he wanted them to realize, and not necessarily, he didn't want Israel as a nation. He wanted the people of Israel to acknowledge you're in the situation you're in for a reason. And he was bringing their mind back as in verse number one, he was saying, you, you remember the, the, the people and remember how great Jerusalem was when all the people of the world would come through Jerusalem just to see her beauty, to see her king, to see the temple, to see their God. All of the people, all the princes, everyone around knew the beauty of this nation and of the city. He says, now you are tributary or this meaning you now are a servant when others used to serve you he wanted the people to come to a place where they recognized where they were he wanted them to recognize why they were there this once great jerusalem the city of kings this great the great king david the great king solomon sat on this throne and now it's a desolate place. It's a place where everyone wanted to be and now no one wants to go there. I want you to turn with me to Lamentations chapter 4. How does this happen? How does this happen? I want you to see in this weeping prophet, he reveals to us in this chapter, chapter 4, how does this happen? He says this in verse number 1, how has the gold become dim? How is the most fine gold changed? The stones from the sanctuary are poured out in the top of every street. He's saying this, how was what was once important to you, how has it become dim? I say to us this morning, how as one day in our life salvation was important, the gospel was important to us, is it dim in our life now? Our relationships with our spouse. Remember those wonderful days when that was the most important thing in your life. Now that relationship has become dim. Parenting, how important that is and, and what an honor that is and the privilege it is and, and God has blessed you with children as parenting become dim. God's call in your life, his purpose for your life at one time in your life, that was all you thought about. That was all you were consumed with. Those things, those blessings of God, the calling of God on your life, you were wanting to fulfill. You were willing to fulfill. You gave your life to it now. No longer is what was once important to you important. I remember not long ago, we were out to dinner, my wife and I, with another couple, and if you said to me, do you, love my, do you love your wife? I would say, of course I do. Of course I do. Would you do anything for her? Of course I would. As we were leaving dinner that night and walking out into the parking lot, this one couple went, and he, 
he, instead of him going to the driver's side, he walked around to the other side, and I knew exactly what he was doing, and so did my wife, and she looked at me as I was going to the driver's side first. He went to the passenger side. He opened up that car door for his wife. He lifted her in that car. He shut the door behind her. And you could just see from inside the car, it was just radiating. I went into the passenger driver's side of my car. I got in. I watched my wife struggle to get up into my truck. I reached over. I said, here, you need help? When she got in and shut the door, things weren't radiating. I was in trouble. He said, do you love your wife? Of course I do. I remember there was a time when I was trying to woo my wife, when I was trying to, to show her how much I loved her. I'd open every door. I would have gracefully picked her up and put her into the car and shut the door behind her. A couple times I shut her in that door. I was just loving her so much. And I think for every single one of us, the reality is this. Many times our gold has become dim. Remember then when you first got saved, or maybe there was another time in your life where you feel, felt closer to the Lord. You couldn't wait to run into your Bible. You couldn't wait to pray. You couldn't, you couldn't wait. It was when it was time to, to close your Bible because you had to get on with your day. You didn't want to close that Bible because you were communing with the Lord and learning so much. Remember those days of prayer when you were in your prayer closet and you were praying and you felt the presence of God and how important that was. Now your gold has become dim. What was once important to you isn't as important. I remember as just a fourth grade boy was the first time I led someone to the Lord. We played basketball there right in the street in Philadelphia and sat on our steps of our row home after done playing basketball, round ball in a square milk crate with no backboard. If you get to play basketball that way, you're, you become a good basketball player. I remember sitting there on the steps after playing one night, and it was in the summer night, sitting there on my steps and asking this boy about my same age, Do you, were you saved? Do you know Jesus? He said, what? I remember going into the house and getting a New Testament saying, Mom, Mom, I need a, I need a Bible. I, I've got a friend that, that I'm going to show how to be saved. And I remember sitting on those steps there in Philadelphia on that summer night and opening up that New Testament and going through that New Testament and telling that young boy how to be saved. And I remember him bowing his head and trusting Christ as his Savior. What a wonderful day that was to lead someone to the gospel. I thought to myself, I could do this every single day of my life, lead someone to the Lord, tell someone the gospel every single day of my life. Life would be amazing. Life would be wonderful. Imagine sharing the gospel with someone every day. But you know what happens? My gold becomes dim. You know what the reality? Every single one of us, our gold can become dim. And what once used to excite us, We've lost our passion for. What we used to live for, we've lost our passion for. And the weeping prophet is weeping and begging the children of Israel, how has this happened? How has the most fine gold changed? How was what was once so important 
What's changed in your life? He said the precious stones in verse 2 of Zion, comparable to fine gold. How are they esteemed as certain pictures of work, the work of the hands of the potter? Even the sea monsters draw out the rest. They give suck to their young ones. The daughter of my people has become cruel like the ostriches in, in the wilderness. The tongues of the suckling child cleaveth to the roof of his mouth for thirst. The young children ask bread, and no man breaketh it unto them. They that did eat delicately are desolate in the streets. They that were brought up in scarlet embraced dunghills. For the punishment of the iniquity of the daughter of my people is greater than the punishment of the sin of Sodom that was overthrown in a moment. No hand stayed on her. Nazarites were purer than snow. They were whiter than milk. They were more ruddy in body than rubies. Their polishing was as sapphire. Their visage is blacker than a coal. They are not known in the streets. Their skin cleaveth to their bones. It's withered. It has become like a stick. He said what was once fattened, what was once pure, what was once ruddy or, or, or good to look to, now when you see it, it's, it's blackened. Their bones and their skin are, are withered up and they become like a stick. They that be slain with the sword are better than they be slain with hunger, for these pine away, stricken through the want, the fruits of the fields. The hands of the pitiful women have sodden their own children. They were, uh, they were meat in the destruction of the daughter of my people. He said, it's gotten so bad, mothers are eating their own children. They're so hungry. The Lord hath accomplished his fury. He hath poured out his fierce anger. He has kindled a fire in Zion and hath devoured the foundations thereof. The kings of the earth and all the inhabitants of the world would not have believed that the adversary and the enemy should have entered into the gates of Jerusalem. He says, how has it gotten so bad? Jerusalem, how has it gotten to the place? This is where God dwells. And all the inhabitants of the world see the hand of God and the blessings of God, and now they see the destruction and the fury of God. This happen. I want you to know this this morning. I don't believe any person in this room is going to wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm going to give up on God. I don't think any person in this, in this room wakes up one day and says, you know what, I'm going to do, I'm going to sin and ruin my life today. I don't believe one person in this room says, you know what, I'm going to do, I'm going to walk away from every blessing that God has ever given me. I don't think it's something that happens instantly overnight. I believe what happens is this. What's important to you becomes dim. What once you used to care about, you no longer care. Remember how you used to keep something that was new? My wife has this rule that we have a couch that we never sit on. I think I've told you this before. And so we paid money for this couch that you don't sit on. The pillows sit on the couch, not people. It, it sounds real weird, I know, but it's my life. We have this couch, and for years we had this couch 
that you never sit on this couch. Not long ago, I walked into the room where this couch is sitting, and I've never dared sat on this couch. I walked in this room, and on this room is the dog. And I said to myself, you're in trouble, dog. And as Michelle, I heard her walking, she comes in this room, and I say to her, the dog's on the couch. And she says, I know. I put a blanket there for the dog to be on this couch. I said, I, what? We're allowed on this couch? She says, it's just a couch. I said, what has changed? She said, it's just a couch. What was once this couch that nobody was allowed to sit on, nobody was allowed to do anything on, now it's a couch that the dogs can sit on, as long as they're on a blanket. What was once something important, she realized it's really not that important, it's a couch. I believe this, in our lives there's many a things that are very important. It's not just a couch, there's things that are very important in our life that should remain important. I believe the gospel ought to remain important in our life. I believe our relationships, our marriage, our children, they ought to remain important in our life. I believe soul winning ought to remain important in our life. And I believe this, this is a great time as we look into a new year, as we think about uh, uh, our life and what yesteryear was and what this new year will bring. I think it's important for us all to consider what's important in our life. I think it's important for us to consider maybe what has been important, what no longer is, and go back and revisit those things and ask ourselves, has a gold become dim? Here, here, this weeping prophet is saying, do you see what your decisions have caused? You thought that there was something better out there in life besides the blessings of God, and now this once great city that's great only because the blessings of God, it now sits desolate. This once great city, because of the blessings of God, all of the inhabitants of the world wanted to come and wanted to see. Now nobody wants to be in this city. This temple that was once worshipped in is now destroyed. The walls that once protected this city, they're now destroyed. The gates are now burned with fire. This once great city, because of the blessings of God, is now a place of destitute. As I think about this city, I also think sometimes this is, describes our life as Christians. Because what once used to be important to us, we've taken it for granted. What once used to be important to us, we no longer see it that way any longer. He said in verse number two, the precious sons of Zion, comparable to fine gold, how are they esteemed as earthen pitchers, the work of the hands of the potter? We find here in this, this, this portion of scripture, he says, these precious sons of Zion, they used to be compared to fine gold. They used to be uh, uh, something that was precious and prestige, and now they're just compared to earthen vessels. Do you have... Do you have um, do you have dinnerware that you use for guests and then you have dinnerware you use for your family? Is anyone like that? My, I say to my wife, if paper plates are good for us, paper plates are good for 
That's what they eat on in their home, right? The, the nice things that we have, the children don't wash. You could tell the difference between, in our home, the, 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 the plates and the things that our kids wash and the cups the kids wash versus the stuff that Michelle, Michelle thinks is important that they never touch. Because the stuff that's not important has chips in it. And I mean, you will, you'll cut your tongue, you'll cut your, your, uh, uh, you know, your lip. And if you ever see me with you know, something on my lip, it's not cut from shaving, it was something using a cup that one of my kids washed. I mean, they're just messed up. But Michelle doesn't let them touch the important things. We have some that like to help set things up, and Michelle will say, no, 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 you don't touch that. What she's saying is this, that's too important, that's too precious. I don't want it just to be treated like anything. The same thing is true as he is pointing this out. He says, you know what's happened? You have lost your vision. Your vision has become clouded. What once was important to you is no longer important to you. What once you looked at and you said was precious, and what once you said this is comparable to find uh, to, to gold, this is something I want to hold on to. This is something I want to keep. He says your your vision has been clouded, and you no longer see the importance of it. Listen to me this this morning. You need to see the importance of being a child of God. Like I said, when you first, maybe first got saved, you read your Bible, you walked with God. If somebody said, the Bible says this, you'd say, then I'm going to do it without argument. If the Bible says that I'm going to do it now, now you know what the Bible says. You can quote the scripture. You know exactly what the, the Bible says, but you've hardened your heart, and the Holy Spirit of God can't work any longer in your heart like he wants to. It's like taking a, 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 a anvil and, and, and trying to hit at your heart, and it's just a hard rock, and, and it seems no longer that the Lord can speak to you anymore. You have hardened your heart than before to hear the word of God preached and respond to the word of God was something you look forward to, something you look for, something you couldn't wait to hear. What else can I learn? How more can I grow? What else does God want me to hear? And now we've gotten to the place where we've said, God, enough. Somebody tries to get with you and you say, I know what the Bible says. No longer are you soft. No longer do you see the word of God as important. No longer do you see the blessings of God as important. Your vision has become clouded. I want you to see this as well in verse number four. The Bible says the tongue of the sucking child cleaveth to the roof of his mouth for thirst. The young children ask bread and no man breaketh it unto them. They that did feed delicately are desolate in the streets, they that were brought up in scarlet embraced dunghills. He says, even the, the sea monsters take care of their young. But your children are hungry. I want you to, I want you to write this down. Number two, no long, no, not only is their vision clouded, number two, they lost their concern for those in need. They don't see anymore reality. He said, even the sea monsters take care of their children, and you're letting yours go hungry. 
Oh, I think of that. There was a time maybe in your life where getting the gospel to a lost and dying world and those that needed Jesus, it was, it was something you did. Boy, I want to I give the gospel. I, I keep tracks in my pocket and I, I hand tracks out every week. And whoever I come in contact with, I want, them to, I want them to know the gospel. Now we live our life and we're too busy and too many distractions and too many things are going on. We don't even realize, we don't even see the need anymore of people that need Jesus. And we walk by people day after day that need the gospel, people that have a great need, people that need help, and it, it no longer, it no longer bothers us to know there's a world that needs help and we just live our life. They lost their concern for those in need. He said even animals take care of their children. But you've gotten to a place, you've gotten to a place that you no longer care. You've gotten to a place where, where what's important is no longer important to you anymore. I want to ask you this, Christian, today, when's the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? I mean, when's the last time you walked up to somebody and face-to-face you said, I've got the answer to your problems? When's the last time you put your arm around somebody that was hurting, somebody that had a great need? When's the last time you shared with someone a need that they had and you gave of yourself and you sacrificed of yourself because there was a great need? I think the, the most dangerous thing is for a child of God to get to the place where they no longer see the need of the world around them. Listen to me, we can complain and we can get critical about everything that we see in the world. The reality is this, the world needs Jesus Christ and the only way they're gonna hear of Jesus is for those that have Jesus to tell them of Jesus. Well, maybe this year you need to soften your heart and say, God, soften me break me, mold me, give me a renewed spirit, give me a passion for what's important once again, give me a passion to tell the world about Jesus, give me a passion for those that have a great need. I pray that God never allows us as a church, never allows us as individuals to get to the place that we can live our life and we can live and in, 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 in our needs be met or we live and there's no, no, no desire to help all those around or, or no 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 seeing the need and doing something about it. I pray that we live as a church this year. I pray you live as an individual this year with eyes wide open and somebody has a need. Someone needs Jesus. Someone needs prayer. Someone has, needs a resource that you have. I pray that you would live a surrendered life where if God wants to use you, you'd be surrendered for him to use you. Church, we know this, but our community... Not everyone knows Jesus. Toledo, not everyone knows Jesus. There's a great work to be done. And if God's people are too preoccupied and don't see the need, then this great work is not going to be done. I want you to see in verse number six, the Bible says, for the punishment of the iniquity of the daughter of my people is greater than the punishments of the sin of Sodom that was overthrown as in a moment and no hands stayed on her. How has this gold become dim? He, I, first, he says, listen to me, your gold is dim, and this is why your vision is clouded. You've lost your concern for those that have great needs. And, and thirdly, he says this, you're living in continual sin. You're living in sin. You're satisfied 
with the pleasures of sin instead of the blessings of God. You've come to a place in your life where you'll choose flesh instead of choosing God. No longer do the gold in your life excite you. You've chosen the sinful things of this world. How has your gold become dim? I would say that in this room here, every single person this morning, would you please examine your heart? Will you please look at your life and ask yourself, has my gold become dim? Is it happening to me? Am I looking at my relationship with the Lord? Has there been a time in my life where my relationship with God has been greater? If you say yes, then your gold is becoming dim. If you say there's been a time in my life that my relationship with my spouse has been greater, then your gold is becoming dim. If you say there's been a time in my life where I've appreciated and lived and understood and thrived under the blessings of God more than I am now, then I would say to you this, wake up, your gold is becoming dim. And before it's too late, before you find yourself in a place like Israel find, found herself in, before it's too late, before sin has controlled you, before sin, before sin is, is, is got you to this place of destruction, wake up and realize it's becoming dim and do something about it today. You see, Jeremiah was trying to get to the people to realize it's happening. Wake up. He's weeping with them. He said this in verse number five, they that did delicately are desolate in the streets, they that were brought up in scarlet embraced dunghills. He said, what you used to do, you no longer have. You've settled for things less than best. What used to be best, you've settled for less now. Listen to me, I want you to know this morning that God's blessings are what's best. Nothing you can manufacture, nothing you can do on your own, no decision that you can make in your flesh, even though, even though it seems, it seems like that, better, that, that might be the better course, it seems that that might be the better way. What is always the better way is live under the blessings of God, even if it doesn't fit what you want. Because God's way is always the best way. Listen to me, every, every young person in this room, realize this, God's way is always the best way. Oh, sin will entice you, and, and lust will entice you, and the world's going to entice you, and, and there may be good, but don't ever settle for good when God wants you to have what's best. Don't ever, ever settle. In verse number 14, the Bible says, they have wondered as... Blind men in the streets, they have polluted themselves with blood so that men could not touch their garments. Why has this happened? They've lived so long that sin now defines them and describes them. They're no longer described as God's people of God's blessing. They're now described as bloody men. Oh, listen to me, sin, sin, sin will always cause you 
cause you, it, it will always cause you to stay longer than you want to stay. And it will always cost you more, more than you're willing to pay. And you say, where do you see that? I, I see that in verse number 12. He said this, the kings of the earth and all the inhabitants of the world would not have believed that the adv adversary and the enemy should have entered into the gates of Jerusalem. What Jeremiah is saying this is none of the world, when they see what's happened, they say to themselves, I can't believe this happened to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the one that was heavily protected. The walls were protected. The gates were protection. The temple was the presence of God. I never would have thought, I never would have thought this happened to Jerusalem. I've talked to many people that say this, I can control this sin. I can control this. Sin doesn't control me, I decide... And when you come to the place where you think you control sin and sin doesn't control you, sin is controlling you. I just found out this weekend, a pastor friend that just, just divorced his wife and rumored because of a relationship he was having with a secretary in his church. His pastor is married 20, in my age, he was married 20, 20 years. Four children. For some reason, he thinks, or he thought, doing it his way and not God's way was going to be better. He thought he could handle sin, he thought he could control sin. So do we. Achan thought that he could go in and steal this and hide it, and nobody would know, and it wouldn't affect Israel. Israel went into this battle after, after uh, Jericho, the battle of Ai, in and, 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 and total destruction because, because Achan had this, this accursed thing under his tent. He, he, he had this, what God said, don't touch. He had it sitting under his tent. Listen to me, you can't hide it because God sees it. It'll control you. It'll control your thoughts. It'll control your heart. It'll control where you go. It'll control what you think. It'll control what you say. It's sin eventually gets to a place where you think you can control it, but it's controlling you. And when you get to that place, it's a place of destruction. It's a place of destruction. How does this happen? It happens when we allow sin to stay. Listen, every single one of us are sinners. The day we got saved, I wish, I wish the day we got saved, we became perfect and we never sinned. But this old nature still is inside of us. Our flesh still tempts us. Our flesh still hungers. And we still, we still have an appetite at times for sin. And listen to me, but we don't have to stay there. The children of Israel said, you know what, we're just going to stay where we're at. We're just going to stay doing what we're doing. We're just going to keep living the way we're living. We know, we know what God said. We know what God wrote. We hear what the prophet's saying, but we're going to do what we want to do. Listen to me, I know we live in a day, and the Bible says in the end times they're going to 
come preachers and teachers that'll teach and those that want to hear with itchy ears. And I know you can say there's a church I can go to where I don't have to ever feel convicted. I can live whatever way I want to live and I can do whatever I want to do and, and I can worship the Lord. Listen to me, God is not interested in your worship if you're interested living in your sin. You can't, you can't live in your sin and then expect that I'm going to go and worship the Lord. The Bible says this, that your sin will cause this cloud between you, a cloud of brass between you and the Lord. The Lord wants you, wants you to serve him with a pure heart and a right heart. And that's not us living the way we want to live and doing what we want to do and living uh, uh, however our flesh wants to be appeased and then thinking that God is going to wink at that and be okay with that. No, God, he's still in service of us living a holy life he's still in search of us living a pure life listen the moment you got saved you are freed from the bondage of sin sin has no more hold on you you don't have to live in a cage any longer to sin that door was opened and you are set free and you can have a life in christ free from that sin because of salvation if you're living in sin today you're living in sin because you choose to Don't blame your parents. Don't blame your spouse. Don't blame someone else. If you're living in sin willfully today, you're doing it because you choose to. And it's hurting your relationship with God. Because the Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. God's grace is sufficient. His strength is sufficient. His power is sufficient. We don't have to willfully live and stay in sin. And thirdly, I want you to see this. The Bible says in verse number 17, as for us, our eyes have yet failed for our, our vain help. You know, watching we have watched for a nation that could not save us. They settled for less than best. They allowed sin to stay. And Israel went to the wrong place to fix it. Now listen closely. Our nation and our president are, is not going to fix the spiritual problems of this nation. When our president says, make America great again, he's not talking about godliness. He's talking about economics. What's going to cause this nation to be great again is when God's people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. That's what's going to cause God's blessing upon a nation again. The people here were going to other people. They thought the king, they thought the nation, they thought someone else could fix their problems. But listen to me, no one can fix it but God. What he was saying is this, you've gone to the wrong place to find help. Listen, it's not about turning over a new leaf or trying something new. When we get to the place where we, are, we have disappointed the Lord, where we have sinned, where we have caused judgment to come, what we must do is fall on our face before the Almighty God and go to Him and confess sin and thank Him and give Him praises for who He is and ask for that relationship to be restored once again. We can't go to the wrong person. We can't go to the wrong place. We've got to go to God. 
they went to their nation. They thought if we just fix our nation, things will get right. No, you've got to fix your relationship with God, and he and only he can make things right. You've got to go to the word of God. You've got to go to the principles of God. You've got to get back to where you once were, realizing this book was once gold. God's blessings were once gold. God's will for your life was once gold. Your marriage was once gold. Things become dim. And how do I fix it? Get back to God. Get back to Him. Maybe some in this room need to get on your face. You need to restore that relationship with God. You need to take that relationship and realize how much gold and how worth the worth of it. Not treat it like an earthen vessel. Maybe this afternoon you need to look at the relationships God's given you. Maybe there's a young person that needs to look at the relationship with their parent. You need to say, you know what, this is gold. I've rebelled against it. I've wanted to do things my way. I've let my flesh dictate what I want to do. I've let this world tempt me. I want to get back to that gold relationship. Maybe there's a husband and wife. Your gold has become dim. You need to come to this altar. You need to bow your face down in the presence of God. And you say, God, I acknowledge only you can fix this. And I surrender this to you. Bondage is not the place that God desires for his children to live. He's freed you from that. Come find hope again. The Lord Jesus.